0: This is Impact Ed with HD Chambers and the A-Leaf Independent School District. We are here talking to Vincenzo Cox, one of our uh, high school soccer coaches as well as a teacher. And uh, we're going to spend some time with, with Coach Cox uh, visiting on not only his role as a, as a teacher and a leader of young men, uh, but also his service to our country, both prior to being in the education field as well as what he's doing right now. So, uh, Vincenzo, thank you for being here, and I appreciate the uh, the opportunity to be able to visit with you.
1: Good afternoon. It's a great it's a great honor. I was really looking forward to it when I heard about everything, so I'm I'm kind of excited for it.
0: Good, good, and 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 the audience should know that this is probably not the first time. Well, it's not the first time that that Coach Cox has been interviewed. Uh, he is a very very successful soccer coach. Uh, he is the head, head boy soccer coach at Elsick High School in A leaf ISD. Uh, and they are the reigning Class 6A Texas champions uh, for soccer. And Coach Cox wouldn't mention this, but I'll mention it anyway. That he is—he was voted as the National USA Coach of the Year—and uh, quite an honor. And again, congratulations to you and your boys. And I know you don't get tired of hearing that. But um, as we get into this, I think it's relative. It's a relevant conversation about how you treat your and coach your young men with how you. With how the, the the experiences you had in the military.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So, if you don't mind, Coach, talk just a little bit about the your, your career path. I mean, how you started in the military, and then how that transferred over into into the education field. So, a lot of a lot of people don't know this about me and my boys. They don't even
1: know too much about this. So, um, just real quick, I came to Houston from Miami, Florida, on a track and field scholarship. And so, you know, I played soccer as an early child, and then when I got to high school in Miami. I went all track and field, and I got a scholarship eventually to come here, and um, to a University of Houston, a very good program. And I got to be coached by Tom Teles, and I qualified for the Olympic trials for track and field. So, it's um, they picked the best twenty-four in each event, and so um, I was pretty good in college. And um, what was your
0: what was your event?
1: I qualified for the four hundred hurdles, and okay. so in the qualifying section that I was in at the Olympic trials. You know, I lost out to the Olympic, eventual Olympic gold medalist, the eventual number two uh, hurdler in the world, and then the Olympic trials winner. So I got caught in a pretty tough group. So it was a little disappointed, but it, when you look back, you see that you know it was it was um, something to be be proud of. But uh, um, I bring that up because that has a lot to do with how I got into the military. So um, the, when I qualified for the Olympic trials. What happens is if you are not a a Carl Lewis or Michael Johnson or Usain Bolt and you don't get the million-dollar contract, the Army comes and they offer a program for world-class athletes. And so initially I wasn't looking into it, but then a couple of my friends went into it, and they got real successful, and they said, hey, Vincenzo, you should really think about doing this. I went that route, and that that pulled me into the military. And then when the program ended— i was still in and so um you know i didn't know that i would make a career out of it And life you know life leads you in different directions and then you grow and you develop and um you know there are pros and cons but the military there are a lot of benefits from it and you get to honor your country and so i stayed in as you can see and uh you know i grew in the military and um um you know it's it's helped me out it's helped me out a lot and so you know, that's that's kind of my path of how I got from you know, you know, from Miami, Houston, um, track and field and then the military. And so I, I pretty much stayed in. I'm still a current active reservist right now.
0: How long how long were you active duty?
1: Well, I was always only a reservist, but I the one year that I was active duty, um that, that's probably gonna, you know, skip ahead and develop my A Leaf history. Um, you know, I was currently special education i really loved what i was doing and uh i was at i worked pretty much the age group of intermediate schools which i really liked that age and um in the middle of the beginning well, the beginning of the school year when the iraq war first took off you know i thought in my lifetime there would never be a war so i thought everything would be okay (laughs) and um when the iraq war took off at the beginning of that school year in 2004 my number came up and so uh i had mixed emotions about it you know um, but my father was also a Vietnam vet, and he was in the military for 25 plus years. So, um, you know, he was a little worried about me because my personality—I'm kind of a free spirit. So I'm, I wasn't very rigid. And so, long story short, I had to leave Mata Intermediate, and you know, the kids in the school—they wrote me letters and everything while I was there. And um, it was a difficult time for me because I—I I knew I had a good life, and I knew I had a good job. And I remember days when I did go to Iraq. I remember days praying, say saying to myself, Lord, please, if I can just get back to my job and leave, I love it, <laughs> I love everything, you know, and so, uh, uh, I ended up going and leaving for a year, and when I returned, um, they had already given a great guy my position at Mata. and so the district, they, they definitely honor your position, so they placed me at Elsick High School, you know, about a month after I came back, and, um, it kind of slowly grew up on me, grew on me, and, you know, I've been there ever since. Um, so at first I just wanted to acclimate myself back in. So that's another reason why I was not coaching. I was just
0: – you were just I, I just wanted to come
1: back and just live my life because of my experience over there and then the war. And so I was just happy to be back and have my life, you know, and get a fresh
0: new start. You're looking for a sense of normalcy again, Yes, right? yes. Right. So when you got to ELSEC, and let's kind of fast forward, if you don't mind, to when you did start coaching. Uh, what are, what are? I mean, I think most people listening to this are, they understand what a teenage, you know, what the teenage experience is. Uh, what have, what have, what, have, what did you take from the military or continue to take from the military when you're working with teenage young men um, that, that you've worked with over the last several years? definitely
1: uh i remember my dad growing up saying you know we'd have to do chores around the house and he would always say hey attention to detail attention to detail attention to detail and then that gets mundane hearing it from your dad but then i looked at my dad in a different way when i joined the military myself and i could see the things that he emphasized to us and so when i actually had to go to iraq and attention to detail is is life or death um you know it woke me up. And then when I came back here, um, I, I try and tell kids this with games and with sports. Um, you know, we've, we've, this whole world is, you know, been riddled with war. But one of the things when war is calmed down is which allows country to go against country is sports is the best way for a country to go to war with another country and you can give your all in a gentleman's way. Without anyone intentionally getting hurt, so you know when the Olympics come, if there's a relay, one nation against one nation, that's the best way for us to battle with each other without anyone getting hurt. And you can see, you know, athletes give their all. And so, the details that I experienced myself, you know, hearing my dad say it's one thing a kid hears his dad, you get you know you get mundane, you -hmm. get sick of hearing it. But then the details that I I had to pay attention to there, and you see, it could mean life or death on a field, you know, it's not life or death because, you know, it's it's a, it's an honor and reward to play a sport. But if it's something that the kids want and a detail is not paid attention to, you risk everyone um, at getting it. And so, uh, you know, um, a big thing in the military is you're always looking out for your buddy yeah. no matter what. If your buddy makes a mistake, we cover it later. Mm-hmm. And so we – I, I've tried to implement that spirit into our team, and you know it took a little while, and I crashed and burned out a few times. I made some mistakes, but it, we got a chance to, you know, you know, get something going.
0: Right. You've you mentioned before with the the this, this last team in the spring of 2018 that won the state championship. You've mentioned that you've had better teams, more better soccer players, um, than this team that won the national championship. What does what does that mean to the you know how how can the average person who may not understand this how can how can a, a, an inferior team in terms of a, athletes win a championship what 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 was so special about this team that allowed them to do what other more talented teams perhaps couldn't do
1: I I believe one time you um you spoke to the district and um you mentioned grit and determination sometimes making up for lack of talent and people would just stick through and fight through things in life. And, um, it, it kind of clicked with me, but it just, it clicked with me about life. But as I developed as a coach and you get to see kids and you compare one team to another and you see all this talent there, but then you see another group of kids and they work hard and they can get the same result or even better through the hard work. And so, um, I, I'll never forget that from you. And I was able to take that and, you know, apply that and see, you know, we work with what we have and you get your kids to give your best. And, you know, with this group here, like we said, they they were still good. They were still talented. But we've seen other kids that, you know, um, were probably more talented, but these kids were willing to go, you know, an extra mile for their buddy and to do things, you know, that, you know, you wish that, you know, it was easy to just get everyone to do for for strangers or anyone.
0: What a lot has been made, uh, and I want you to think about your experience in the in the service. But a lot has been made about the diversity of your of your team. I mean, at some point, and I think I may make I may be wrong in these numbers, but out of thirteen, fourteen young men, you had ten or eleven different countries, if not thirteen or fourteen different countries represented. What what did you take from the military experience? to be able to take such a diverse group of young men from different backgrounds, different walks of life.
1: Before I get to that, I was very fortunate that my dad um, got a chance to do tours that travel. And so our family, we got to travel and so we got to live. And so um, I think one thing that really helped me develop is we got to live in Germany and places in Europe. And you get a chance to see what an everyday kid in the United States is probably just used to the same elementary, middle school, high school neighborhood area and so we got a chance to move around and to meet a lot of people now with that said in the military you get to see a lot of people from all different places backgrounds and when they pull units together um the units it's kind of like the lottery draw here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not chosen they pull a unit together one person's from here one person there and then you have to stick together and with that um the military is so diverse i think it helped me transition these boys into giving ideas to opening up to things that they're not used to, and knowing that people are people and you you know you have to eliminate what you see sometimes and just care about the person and the human heart and so to get kids to do that and then compete fiercely on the soccer field is a it's a fine line you have to get through, but um we get them to do that, and that the, the diversity in the military has definitely helped me out with stringing them and, and solving problems. That you see that in kids that are like many problems of adults, and so it, it kind of helps that they're teenagers. You know, you can reason with them a little easier than with adults.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you, if parents of teenagers would agree that you can reason with them. Yeah, <laughs> but yes. a coach sure can, right? It's different. I mean, yes. We, yes, we joke about it, but uh, it's it's like you know they they a kid performs or does things for another person that they would never do for their own family, right?
1: I've actually had parents say. You know, hey, you know, my son, he's not sleeping, you know, can you talk to him about that? And so what I'll do is I've I've pulled up an article with Cristiano Ronaldo and how he gets rest. And then when I say it, you know, the same thing, our adults, the parents are saying the same thing. They're probably smarter than me, but because Coach Cox said it, mm-hmm. you know, it it's written, you know, it's gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's written down. And so I say the same thing the parents do. Adults are looking after for kids the same way. And so it's just whoever they're looking up to at the time. You have to use that platform to steer them in the right direction. And if it can help a parent out with a kid at home, you got to do it.
0: So, so one of the things a lot of a lot of people don't realize is the the service time that you have to put in in addition to your to your employment. So you weren't able to make convocation this year. T- talk about how you balance that work with your responsibility to the to the to the country in terms of your service. How do you balance that? So I think a good thing for for
1: kids and just people to hear in general is my intention when I joined the military was for the track and field program. And so then I got to develop and see, you know, my contract ended, I could have gotten out. I got to develop and see myself as a servant, which I didn't see that intention to. And so uh, I wanted to, my father has, you know, six kids. I'm the only one that joined the army. You know, I have a brother in the Air Force, and so I know my dad was proud of that. And that's one reason why I wanted to do that. But then as I developed, you know, you know I got the chance to be a servant and to help, and um, it's something that I don't want to give up on. And so I juggle a lot of hats between school, you know, and, you know, coaching and then teaching as well. And so um, I would definitely say, uh, you know, I love being a servant, and so it really it really helps when I I'm not ready to kind of give up on right. that yet, and so that that keeps me you know keeps me busy during the summer and the weekends that we have you know where you know I have military mm-hmm. and I may have a soccer game I have to juggle right. around that. Right. But
0: well, it's kind of the the two professions have a lot in common the the service to country, service to community through kids through education. Um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up a little bit here, but before I do. Um, something just struck me. Where, where did the soccer come in from track and field? Was <laughs> yes, I forgot. I forgot. Okay. No, I just I <clears throat> I'm just curious. So,
1: I was. Of course, everyone has their own view of it. But I was a really speed up. I was a really good player growing up. Lived in Germany, and an academy wanted to keep me there. And my parents, you know, they mm-hmm. were like, "You're not staying here. You're coming back to America." So I came back to America. I they wanted me to keep playing. I kind of stopped, and then um. Uh, it's weird, and people told me I was crazy for doing it. But um, I thought about it in my college track and field career. You know, I was one of the best hurdlers in the nation, one of the best sprinters. And so, in my back of my mind, I was like, "Man, I want to go back to soccer one day." And I mentioned it to one of my roommates, and they're like, "Dude, you're, you're crazy. Like, you're you know, you're 21, 22 years old. You just can't hop and just do that." And so, uh, right after the Olympic trials ended, before I joined the military program, I I just put on my I just put everything on there and I just said hey I'm gonna do it and I moved to Orlando to play for a team and then I got a chance to go to England for a year came back tried out for two MLS teams here um and um I played for a division three team here and so at the end of that when that concluded you know I you know I say I wasn't making a million dollars so I said it's time for me to start working getting into the real world and so I did that now I kept playing, you know, in leagues around, men's leagues around here all over. So some of the kids' parents know me from the men's leagues mm-hmm. like years ago mm-hmm. and their aunts and uncles and cousins. So they they only know me as a player, not as a coach. And so um, when time came for me to coach at Elsick, I had a, a tremendous amount of experience to be able to tie that in. Right. And the, the soccer part was fine, but the coaching part wasn't as easy at the beginning because transitioning from – you know if you're very good at doing something like if you want to teach someone how to do a, how to be a superintendent just telling them and hey watch what I do it's different you have to actually learn how to guide and train someone and so it kind of fit hand in hand and you know i I'd even thought about leaving and going back to my uh intermediate school and a, a young man stopped me and so I I stayed here ever since I still keep up with them ever since and so um well, it worked out pretty of, well.
0: There's a lot of young men who play soccer that are grateful for you making that decision, or grateful to that young man for, for stopping you, and for whatever the reason. Um, everyone has their own paths in life, but uh, Elsick High School is is fortunate to have you. Our country is fortunate to have you, and 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 obviously this district is fortunate to have people. Glad well, like to be here. I love it here. You know. And 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 your your service to our country. Um, does not go unnoticed and does not go unappreciated. Thank you. Thank you so much. As well as your service to our kids. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Vincenzo, thank you again for being here. It's been an honor and a pleasure. I was kind
1: of looking forward to it. Good. It's been awesome.
0: Good. Thank you very much. All righty. Hey, we've been joined by uh, two extraordinary men, one a young man and the other one maybe not so young, right? (laughs) Correct. We are here with Major Stovall from the Hastings High School Junior ROTC program with the Marine Corps and Pablo Soria, who is a senior at Hastings High School and has been involved in the JROTC program and uh, has actually uh, made a commitment to enlist in the Marine Corps at the end of his senior year this year. So both of you, welcome to uh, to this to this opportunity to have a conversation with you. Welcome.
2: Thank you for having us. It's good to be here.
0: Good, good. I, I really am. I'm, I, this has been one of my—I've been looking forward to, to, to this. I— uh, I'm going to start with you, Major Stovall, and and just real briefly, if you don't mind, maybe how you, uh, your experience in the Marine Corps and then transferring to the, to the, to your responsibilities with these guys at Hastings High School in the JROTC program. What, uh, what drew you to this? Where, how did you, how did you end up going from the Corps into the, the teaching at the JROTC program?
2: Well, throughout the Marine Corps, we do a lot of teaching, starting from enlisted, third level all the way until you get out. You're always finding yourself in a teaching moment or teaching opportunity uh, on some type of platform. So teaching came natural to me. I, I love it. I always found myself volunteering at high schools, coaching or some avenue outside of the Marine Corps as well, teaching. So once I decided that it was time to depart from the Marine Corps my wife and I had a conversation, and she said, well, why don't you do something that gives you time with the family, but at the same time, it's natural to you. And so I started looking into the JRTC program and just fell in love with it to see what those programs are doing with the young minds of tomorrow, <clears throat> making a difference in their lives and, and teaching them life skills. So that helped me make that transition into... JRTC. did I'm I'm assuming when you
0: enlisted did you enlist out of high school or 17 at 17 years old I'm assuming that the life skills you learn pretty quickly (laughs) At 17 um, probably you draw upon that to 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 help young men young women that, that are in your program I mean reflecting back on the things that taught you at such a young age utilizing those experiences to teach these to teach these guys is that is that a fair assessment
2: yes very fair i uh, i am from the south side of chicago so i grew up in very very humble beginnings and i know what it is to struggle and and have a dream and go after that dream and struggle to get there at times the marine corps taught me how to overcome a lot of those obstacles at a very young age i was a 19 year old corporal um so i was in charge of other marines and and responsible for their well-being. So at a very young age, the Marine Corps prepares you for life. They they get you over that it's all about me mm-hmm. process. And so I bring a lot of that to these young minds and help them figure out what it is that they really want to do and know that their dreams are reality, not just something they can think about or talk about.
0: You believe that, Pablo? Yes, sir. What What is it about your time in the in the JROTC program as a as a student cadet that you that you found most appealing, or that you at, at this point in your life that you found most rewarding and helpful.
3: That I've had the chance to be taught by Major Stovall. Um, he's done a lot of things for me and others. He's impacted us in such a positive way. Um, he's taught us many like life skills. And basically, how to be a better person.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what's 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 an example? Where do you Where do you think you've become a better person as a result? Not just of major Stovall, but the JROTC experience, of which he's obviously important. But what, what are some things you You believe you've gotten better as a as a young man?
3: I have more um, courage, more courage to do things. I have more motivation to actually finish,
0: complete a task.
3: Right? Yeah. Yes, sir.
0: Because there's barriers. I mean, I'm assuming in your life you've run into barriers, whether it's at school or at home. I mean, we all do. Um, what what led you to to consider enlisting in the Marines? First of all, when did when did that thought enter your mind?
3: Actually, it entered when I was like in sixth grade. Really? Yes, sir.
0: Any family background in the in the in the Marine Corps or in the service? No, sir. What what got your attention in sixth grade?
3: I'm not really sure, but it just stuck with me, like. I think it would be um the prestige, the prestige, yes, sir,
0: because I think the Mar- yeah the marines have a have a there's a um, an attitude about a marine, yes, and percep- yeah, major Stovall's over here shaking his head. <laughs> yeah, the
3: perception it really struck me i was I was amazed, basically yeah, sir. um originally, I didn't know i I just thought, oh, military, and so I actually got to my freshman year when I entered the JROTC program. And that's where I knew I wanted to be a marine.
0: What what's what's the things you like about being in the JROTC program?
3: The things that I like um, that it's a student run program, that we have a say in uh, in the classroom, and we get to lead others, teach others, and they get to teach us.
0: Do you find the the structure, the rules? Uh, yes, sir. Well, how does does that appeal to you? And how do, how do you see other cadets? How do you see other you know, cadets were working and, and learning those because the rules that you're going to have to follow in the Marine Corps are different than what happens oh, yes, sir. in a classroom hallway, right? Yes, sir. Or in a hallway of a school. Talk about how you balance the the Marine expectation with what was happening in Hastings High School or any high school for that matter.
3: Oh, yes, sir. Um, being a better person. I figured out if I could do good in ROTC or be more of a better person, it could possibly prepare me for my future as a marine,
0: Major Stovall, your your relationship with these young men are obviously
3: it's impactful.
0: What is it you you find that that uh, you draw the most up from? I mean, your what, what is it that that when you go to home every day at the end of the day and you kind of feel a sense of pride? What what is it that you're thinking about that gives you that
2: pride? The pride for me is seeing these young people find their purpose. Find out what it is that they really want to do that makes them successful. Uh, Anybody can survive. Anybody can go to work and and make money. But to actually do something you enjoy every day, to wake up and find your purpose in college, the workforce, starting your own business, or joining the military, as long as you get to say, I want to do that, that's what I draw from is – giving them that opportunity to see all spectrums of opportunity after high school. Um, So we are not Marine Corps or military focused. I'm future focused with the program because the discipline, the knowledge, the skills we teach, resume writing, college preparation, it's the whole package. And to see these kids go from freshmen to seniors and actually have that light in their eye is what I draw from to just keep coming back every day.
0: Do you, have you seen a change over the course of your your time? Have you seen a change in students selecting this type of pathway or this type of opportunity? Is it seen? Is it perceived as those things? Is it perceived the way it's always been perceived or has that changed over a period of time?
2: It's definitely changed from my first year. The first year, uh, I think, it was more of a, a club. Let's let's join a program. <clears throat> Some cadets were dared to join a program. Uh, now I have a lot of cadets that are being recruited by other recru- other cadets to join the program. Um, so, as as Pablo said, that it's student driven. So the students are actually driving the motivation and and allowing me to sit back and just steer mm-hmm. the direction instead of controlling the direction because it's their lives and if they're not in control of it or at least have an idea about it then I'm not succeeding
0: uh, how many how many cadets do you have in your program
2: 167
0: so 167 young men young women who are who are learning the the skills and the and the the concepts of the marine corps yes sir Pablo have you have you uh when you when you think right now about where you are in enlisting after you graduate graduate from high school, do you have thoughts on what you may want to do afterwards?
3: Oh yes sir um I actually wanted to become a politician
0: Well the, the military is a good place to start <laughs> yes good place to start what 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 is it about politics that appeals to you?
3: um really I want to be a politician to make a change in the world because today's politicians they're um, not the best Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, right? (laughs) In a lot of ways,
0: (laughs) in a lot of ways. So what if, if Pablo were on the ballot today and Pablo were to be elected to some position, what kind of change do you want to make? What kind of change would you see yourself wanting to make?
3: Like today's politicians, they want to make money off of uh, these corporations and all this other stuff. Um, but be, I'd like to make changes like affordable health care, more money to the um, school districts because school districts actually do lack funds. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a is doing pretty good for itself. I'm glad yeah. to hear that.
0: Your 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 desire to go into that, to make a difference, to go into politics, to make a difference, what... Has there been one thing or two things that you've learned out of the court? Excuse me, out of the JROTC program, that you think would best prepare you to do that? Is there what? What have you learned about yourself or about
3: life? Um, well, I have uh, pretty good speaking skills, um, and they teach you a lot of leadership uh, skills, and um, I think that would prepare me.
0: Good. And you mentioned something earlier about more courage or braver or Something that gives you confidence, right? Yes, sir. To stand in yeah, front of people. Yeah, more confidence. Yes, sir. Uh, one of the things I've always noticed about JRTC cadets is their their confidence. I mean, their, their self confidence is, is without them saying a word. And I'll tell you, just watching you walk down the sidewalk today, I, we we both we all three got to the building at the same time, and I see these two uh, marines walking down the sidewalk in their dress and just very impressive and. And it was hard to tell which one was the student, which one was the the cadet, until uh, uh, and because they both look so young. <laughs> oh, but you. no, but it, but it also has to do with the, how you handle yourself. You know how you how you present yourself, whether it's walking down a sidewalk or talking to people. Major Stovall, your your um, your experience in the in the core, how consistent can you create an experience for for these cadets that are actually consistent with what he's going, Pablo Pablo's going to actually experience
2: when he enlists. Are there, it's hard to replicate it. I'm, I'm. It is very hard to replicate. Um, I would say I always tell them I've given you about 50% of preparation. The rest of it is going to be on what you can do um, because everybody's experience is different. Right. Um, the drill instructors are different today than they were in my day. The career path, the technology, is different than it was during my time. So I can give you about 50% preparation. It'll get you through boot camp. Mm-hmm. But each drill instructor is going to pick their own person to, to battle with. Uh, try not to be that person. Um, and then at the pathway after boot camp, we try to prepare them for MO, their MOS school and the military afterwards. It's a job after you finish all that school training, it's a job. So you have to be on time. You have to um, make your boss happy just Mm -hmm. like you make your teachers happy. So we use a lot of the school translation to prepare them for the real world and and hope that they grasp some of that discipline and understanding. Um, So I'd say about 50% prepared.
0: Pablo, I'm curious, um, how old are you? 17. 17? Yes, sir. So you're 17, you'll be 18. Soon. In December. In yes, December. Sir. When's your birthday?
3: December 14th.
0: All right, mine's 29th. Close. <laughs> so, uh, but you're going to be an 18-year-old young man. Uh, have, have you thought about the the side of the Marine Corps that you may be in that, that goes into combat, that goes into situations that may put yourself at harm? Does that cross your mind? Uh, um,
3: at times. Yes, sir. Um... I actually, when I signed up for the delayed entry program, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Mm. It's basically, I signed up at 17, so I already went through the process. I signed my papers, and um, my ship date is June 17th to boot camp um, after graduation, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) They got my MOS. um, I think it's reserved already for me, and it was aviation mechanic. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't really think there'd be a lot of you know
0: hoping that that keeps you out of the the harm's <laughs> way, maybe. Oh yes, sir. Good, good. I just the reason I bring that up is I, I think that that it's it, for a high school student to make a decision to enlist. It's a it's probably the most mature decision they've made in their life up until that point. The reason I see it as mature is uh, for a lot of reasons, but this this idea that there's possibility I'm going to fight. Yeah, I mean it, it, I'm going to have to. To go into harm's way, and I'm just just curious what your your thought process was, or what how does your family feel? Not necessarily about that, but how do they feel about you enlisting? Are they supportive? Did they?
3: They're semi-supportive. Semi,
0: yeah, little little hesitancy.
3: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, mostly on my mom's side, but yeah. my father, he's uh, more proud. Good,
0: mom. Mom's moms are going to be a little. Yeah, she's a little a protective, skeptical about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, your dad has a lot to be proud of. And your mom's proud too. Don't let her oh, don't yeah. let her kid you. She's proud. <laughs> She's proud. Major Stavall, your your uh you're again going back to your experiences and how that translates over to, to working with these kids. If if there was one thing that you could get across, not just to these cadets, but to every student and to every kid that walks the halls of Hastings High School, obviously they're not they're not all in the J R O T C program, but what's if if you could wave your magic wand and have them what's the one skill you'd like for them to have that you think would help them better be prepared for what's going to happen to them after high school?
2: The kids that are in the program as well as those that walk the halls uh, in passing sometime, I always tell them to uh, remember that this is your job. High school is the first preparation to the rest of your life. You can't do high school all over again. Your GPA follows you. Uh, with your, ma- your bachelor's, your master's, certain job certifications. So do it well, do it to the best of your ability and uh, treat it like a job. You have to respect the teachers, they're your bosses. You know, If you don't understand a teacher, talk to the teacher and get to know the teacher because they're probably in your best interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, also know that your peers are helping you along this process. So enjoy high school and and make the best of it is what I like to pass on to them.
0: Would you agree with that, Pablo?
2: Yes, sir. <laughs>
3: you're
0: you're living proof of it, right?
2: Yes, sir. Have you? I'm
0: I'm curious. Have you seen major? Have you seen a change in uh, the number of males versus females? Has that been pretty static, or how's that? How's that?
2: It's improving. Um, it's kind of a a hard statistic. Yeah. We've always had more males since I've come out here than females, but we've always had more female dominance in the program as leaders. We're starting to see a balance. Um, Started last year, this year more so, Mm -hmm. uh, a balance of males not being so lazy. They have what it takes to be the leaders, but it's kind of like, well, oh, she's got it. Yeah. I'll just sit back and, and <laughs> wait. But we're starting to see a lot more males uh, step up and take the leadership and and find themselves uh, pursuing some type of position within the ROTC. So it's more of a balance this year. And I'm going to assume that the the
0: males don't seem to have a problem with with the the females taking those leadership roles or even being involved. Pablo, is that
3: that's that's right. <laughs> that's
0: right. <laughs> well, I uh, I'm, I'm, we're going to wrap this up. I I'm, I am curious about one thing, Pablo. Is there what what surprised you when you enlisted? You said you back in sixth grade you thought that this may be what you wanted to do. When you when you finally got not only included into the JROTC program at Hastings, but as you went through the enlistment process and MOS process, is there anything that surprised you that that stands out?
3: No, not really. I've de- i I did my research on it, and they told me everything. Major told me, they they already told me. My recruiters. Mm-hmm.
0: As far as preparing you, nothing has caught you yet, right? No. Yeah. I'm sure that's to come, right? Yes. <laughs> Major. Oh yes. <laughs> Major smiling
2: over <laughs> here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That first day he ships off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so June seventeenth, your ship is your is your date. Yes, sir. Are you going to San Diego or?
3: San Diego, yes, sir.
0: Well, very good. Well, I will will tell you this. On behalf of our school district and on behalf of of this community, uh, both of you make us proud, one for your service and one for your future service, Pablo. Um, But perhaps if not as important, if not more importantly, is for what you've done, Major Stovall, with not only your service but now coming back and continuing to serve. Uh, that there's there's a as you know there's only a handful of people that choose to do that and I am grateful as a superintendent I'm grateful thank you sir. and and I know I speak on behalf of Pablo and every other young man young woman that's come through your program before and who will come as long as you're as long as you're doing this is tremendously appreciated Pablo you, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this uh, you're my first of all the A Leaf ISD podcast you're the first student to participate in this. It's been a bunch of boring adults up till now. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I uh, in advance, as I mentioned, your mom, as you mentioned, your mom, your dad's proud. Your mom's proud. Yes, sir. Uh, your entire school's proud. They're not going to come up and tell you that, <laughs> but, but they are. And, and I will tell you this every year at commencement, at the graduation ceremony, uh, I always ask for those who have enlisted in the armed services to, to stand and be recognized. And every year they get a standing ovation, every year. So people are grateful for for you making this mature commitment, not only for yourself, but but to your country. And it's a pretty awesome responsibility. Thank you, sir. And so uh, it's, we're grateful. So this has been uh, HD Chambers with Impact Ed. Uh, hope you join us for our next podcast. It will be released very soon. Thank you very much. Have a great day.